0: Anyway, since we seem to be out of witnesses, I thought I'd drink a little.
1: We are now recording. Hey, everybody! Cheers,
0: Mr. Pollock. How are you doing? I, I didn't. I didn't get a drink.
1: Oh well, I I have a double, so perhaps that'll suffice Coffee. for both of us.
0: Yeah, I'm. Uh...
1: I've just been working diligently here at home this afternoon. Uh, you were here this morning, and now you're there this afternoon. Yeah. That's where I'm at. It's busy. Yeah. Uh, stuff's okay. going on. Yeah. I guess that's good. That's good. Yep. yep. So um,
0: uh, so we want to talk about uh, this COVID situation and the lockdowns and what that seems like in
1: terms of is it a good idea or not? That's kind of... Yeah. So we've talked about COVID before, especially early on in our shows, uh, but we've talked more about, is it serious or not? And, and what do we do about parenting and stuff like that? Today, we wanna to talk about uh, the actual, uh, yeah, the, the impositions that government is placing upon the public uh, to try and provide some protection or uh, perceived protection. Yeah, and, and,
0: and what I think got us going, I did a, I did a Facebook post uh, yesterday morning. Uh, and, and it was in response to what I would call partisan stupidity. You've got a certain group of people that are saying, masks are useless, COVID's not real, you know, there's this thing. And in, in part, I think they're responding to what they perceive as a political agenda from what probably would be characterized as the progressive left. And then we've also got this other, what I would call similarly hysteric, shut everything down, lock everyone in their homes. Um, this is about life or death and uh, there can be no quarter given for people who you know, uh, don't follow the rules, including ratting on your neighbors and your friends uh, kind of Joe McCarthy style, I think, from the, yeah, I'm betraying my age a little bit. It was before my day <laughs> even. But, you know, the red scare in the United States, if you would, sort of pre-Richard Nixon. Um, in, and so I thought, well, I'm going to look at this a little bit, right? And so uh, I looked at a few things, and I looked into, there was a metadata uh, study on masks undertaken, uh, because there's very little, actual controlled science on on masks. Uh, But the metadata suggested that there's maybe, I think, a 17% reduction or something like that in in, uh, potential infection if people are using masks, broadly speaking. Um, Okay, so it's not nothing. Um, uh, But the thing that struck me, and, and you kind of mentioned this, is I looked at jurisdictions that have the most strict lockdowns in uh, North America. And I looked at things at home here in Alberta. And until this past week, uh, fairly loose, right? Uh, Reduced capacity for restaurants, but the restaurants are open. I think theaters were even open. Um, Gyms were open. Um, Fitness classes were all open. I don't think anything was really closed, per se. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Kenny was getting harangued because the numbers allegedly were going up. Um, and so we got these restrictions and I said, well, does this work, right? Let's assume for the moment. Uh, and what, what I found was um, in California and Washington state, you know, they're the, they're the two strongest lockdown jurisdictions in North America. The infection rate as a percentage of the general population in California is 2.67%. And in Washington state is 1.85%. So in a in a hardcore lockdown jurisdiction, we got 2.67 and 1.85. Now what is it like in Alberta where we have a relatively uh, unrestricted uh, situation, although most places mandate wearing masks? Um, In Alberta, it's 0.94%. It is half of that in Washington state and approximately a third of that in California. And and what that tells me is uh, it doesn't work. Now, whether it's because the COVID is of such a nature, and I'm not a virologist, but whether it's because COVID uh, manages to get through these barriers somehow, or more likely, whether it's because compliance is disparate in those jurisdictions. The bottom line is imposing restrictions, we can see demonstrably, doesn't reduce your rate of infection in the broader population.
1: Yeah, I was looking at Canada specifically, and I think Manitoba has been probably the most strict as far as imposing, you know, uh, restrictions. And uh, they're not per capita. They're not marked markedly different than than Alberta, anyways. Uh, and Alberta's been more or less the opposite. I think fairly, uh, you know, le- less restrictions, anyways. Right? We got this conservative government. and they don't get involved in the people's lives too, too much. So yeah, uh, yeah I'm not seeing a big difference. So I think I would agree they don't work. But I would like to. I would like to say this. We're not really talking about what our personal opinions are or perspectives are as far as is this serious or not. And I think you probably know this about me, Rob. I take this very seriously. I think it's a very serious virus. I think that it's transmitted easily. I think the consequences are pretty dire. I think we should all be very responsible. Uh, But then on the other side of this, I actually really don't think government has a place to be imposing restrictions on our liberties to the extent that they are or, or especially in other places where they are. And so I'm I'm sort of funny, I'm two-sided on this. I don't want government to impose restrictions, but I really do want people to take this seriously. And I really do want people to have a bit of a conscience about this and have some personal uh, responsibility when, when it comes to this. And I think there's ways we can achieve that without, or maybe there's better ways we could try to achieve it anyways, without imposing rules on people and, you know, I, I was reading today, uh, Manitoba started a pretty strict lockdown. Uh, I mean, they've always been more strict, but they really started locking things down today. And they're saying nobody in your house that's not part of your immediate family with very few exceptions. And that to me is so scary, right? As a lawyer and yeah. having gone to law school, as somebody who knows, I mean, I'm not as smart as most of my friends out there, but somebody who knows a little bit about history and, other things I mean that's that's scary that's not what you want to see you want people to take some responsibility so yeah and I think and I think and and I would share your opinion that
0: uh you know when I have clients in I'm wearing masks typically um when I go to restaurants I'm wearing my mask I'm washing my hands uh I have a very small circle of people I'm in contact with right now um So I'm not one of these, let's just ignore it. It's not real. But the reality is, you know, um, uh, the percentage of the population of Alberta who has died due to some influence of COVID, and I think it's important that when we look at those stats, the comorbidity is typically people have two to three uh, added comorbidity factors. That It's not just COVID for the vast majority of people who died but but l- let's treat those as all as covid deaths even though it may be complicated by other issues those deaths amount to 0.009883% of alberta's
1: population so it's it is a very small number um, i th- and i okay it is a small number i won't disagree with that it's too big a number
0: okay but here's That's- the problem and this is where i think we may or may not agree. Sure. We make a decision as a uh, as a society that believes in freedom and liberty on many fronts that a certain number of deaths are an acceptable outcome of a free society. Would you concede that? The, we do it all the time. We do it. Um, the flu kills people every year. Not as much Again, depending on how you see the COVID stats, but it would appear clearly not as much as COVID. Um, I would say clearly not. um, But we don't shut down, and we've never shut down for the deaths of the result of the flu. And the inescapable conclusion is because society as a whole has made a decision that that number of deaths is acceptable uh, without resorting to what I would call. State compelled quarantine.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's a good example, right? So, and, and so, and there were some some illnesses where we took precautions. You know, swine flu, and, yeah. and there were there were some illnesses where we took some precautions. SARS, which is very things,
0: similar so, to the COVID.
1: Well, it's a type, uh, yeah. Uh, we didn't we didn't shut
0: down our country. We didn't. Um, there was no, you know, serb money. There no. was no border closures. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. You know, so the Other idea, be so, so the idea, you know, what I find problematic and you are done I don't even go on Twitter anymore because there's too many morons. Um, but you read the popular media and, and you get these people, you know, that say one life is too many, right? How can you put economics ahead of human life? We do it all the time. So let's not, not be naive. We do. We do the question do is the, the balancing of factors one of which is freedom. Now, the other of which we don't talk about a whole lot, and, and I posted this on my Facebook post. Um, in Alberta to yesterday, we had 432 de- COVID deaths. Again, the vast majority of those people uh, were elderly and had comorbidities, but ignoring that complicating factor, 432 people died relating to COVID uh, to November 18th, 17th. To the end of July, we had 745 people die from what I would call despair, and I call deaths from despair suicide and opioid overdoses, because in my experience, and I've had some, some experience dealing with people with addiction issues, uh, addiction issue, in, in, in my opinion, is a, is a disease of despair. The people that are unhappy, that are having a hard time dealing with life. And so we've got uh, a massive number of people dying, maybe almost two to one, of these issues that can only be uh, enhanced because of the lockdowns, because of the, the reduction of, of social interaction. Uh, now, some of those people, uh, they were probably going to die anyway, again, right? It's, good for the goose. Um, some people say, well, you have some 95 year old guy who catches COVID, he was probably gonna die within the next 24 months anyway. Well, a lot of these people, opiate, op- you know, uh, opiate addicts, um, suicides, probably were gonna happen anyway. But I don't think anyone can deny that if people are losing their jobs and their ability to support their families, uh, if they're losing relationships in part because of their financial strains, um, that has a risk element too. And so it, so what we get into is this balancing of, of two risks, risk of doing nothing and risk of doing something, both of which have negative uh, potential consequences. And then we have this broader question of uh, how much risk is inherent in freedom and how much are we willing to tolerate? And I think that's where where you come from a little bit is, uh, let's not pretend this is not a real thing. Let's not suggest that people shouldn't be diligent about reducing their exposure, particularly for people that have relationships with elderly people or people with higher risk categories. But to what extent do we let the state control ourselves and our ability to make a living, for example? Um, that's a, frightening thing. I looked yesterday at the uh, Public Health Act in Alberta, and a lot of people don't know this, because you'll you'll hear people go, well, please show up at my door. I just won't tell them who's here, and they can't come in. Well, a lot of people don't know this, but the Public Health Act in Alberta, and it's similar across Canada, allows them without warrant to enter your home. This is why we're talking about it on a podcast of a couple of lawyers, because the law matters to us, and particularly the idea of uh, state abuse of its authority is yeah. I think important to us. So people should know if the police show up at your front door because you've got a poker game going or because you've got another couple having dinner uh, and you say, you're not invited in, show me your warrant. They can point to, I think it's section 30 or 31 of the Public Health Act and say, I don't need a warrant. Dina Henshaw told me to come in here and kick your door in and I can enter. And then from that point, they can detain you for for 24 hours if they have a reason to believe that you may be infected. And infected is defined as including someone who has a runny nose. It's in the the legislation. If you have a runny nose, God forbid you've got an ongoing allergy or a cat in your home. They can arrest and detain you without warrant for 24 hours so they can investigate to determine if you are uh, infected, truly. If you or anyone in your home has been outside of the country, that is defined as uh, basically being infected. And again, they can arrest you and detain you for 24 hours. Um, now, this isn't in fact happening. Not that uh, we know. I, 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 I haven't heard. So. I haven't heard of of the police, you know, kicking down doors or jackbooting their way to the jail cells with people with runny noses. But I think. Um, I think it's worth understanding that the government gives itself certain authority um, and they're largely uh, to some degree unaccountable for that. Um, And so that's concerning, that's concerning. And there's checks and
1: balances in our society for that. You know, media can play a role in in checks and balances. The government system and the way that uh, laws are passed uh, is another way that we do checks and balances. And I think lawyers are supposed to be a bit of a check and balance, too, uh, that we're supposed to watch and see what is the law and what's going on and how do we protect the public? And so this is a risk. That's, that is scary. And it makes yeah. me sick to think that that could happen here or anywhere. And, and I don't problem. know what makes me more sick, the fact that, you know, people are having crazy wild parties and spreading mm-hmm. this around or the fact that the government could kick down your door and and watch it for 24 hours, but it's, none of it's good. I think the answer is individuals need to have some responsibility. And I would hope that we all do, you know, and some people have proven that wrong, but a lot of people have proven it right.
0: Well, I think where I come out is um, I'm entitled to liberty until it's demonstrated with sufficient evidence that there is a fundamental basis to deny my liberty. Hell yeah. Right. Um, we, we, this isn't the Soviet Union today or pre-fall of the Iron Curtain. Um, this isn't North Korea. This ostensibly is Canada. Uh, and while our our human rights in Canada are somewhat specious compared to the United States, um, they still, in theory, exist. We do have a charter. Um, and so it's it's a little problematic that based on everything I can see, There is no clear evidence that lockdowns advance the interests of reducing COVID. Um, And and you're going to get pushback because people will say, well, in principle, right, obviously, if everyone's in their house and nobody's going out, how is COVID spreading? But people don't do that.
1: No, exactly. We've got
0: huge swaths of society that have to work. People got to eat. So as we've seen with the Cargill situation in Alberta, people are going to work and then one gets infected. Next thing you know, you got a batch of people infected. Um, now, some suggest it wasn't even at Cargill anyway, or at Cargill, that Cargill. people were socializing uh, on the way to or work, from work. Or... Um, but, but the point is, um, we have grocery store workers and clerks and nurses and doctors and truck drivers and... Who knows what the percentage is? I would guess it's got to be 25%. Everyone but the clerks of the court are out there working in public, right? Yeah, he, he puts his head down, but you know okay.
1: right. Okay, my, my strategy is play nice with the clerks and they play nice back. And in You're fact, back. I really like all of them, yeah. except for those provincial court clerks in Calgary. I but don't my, like them. But my, my point is not that they're, I didn't say they're not working. I said they're not
0: working in public. For the most part
1: I'm which is a whole right other there.
0: issue which is a whole other issue right uh, i'm on the board of directors for cba alberta uh, for the lawyer advocacy group we are getting so much feedback right now saying please explain to me why i can't go to court why my clients can't get in front of a judge to get a reasonable support application in weeks um i can go to a grocery store and put a mask on but i can't put a mask on and sit in a courtroom Uh, 75 feet away from a judge. To me, that's stunning when the foundation of our freedoms is supposed to be an open court system and it's fundamentally hampered because steps are being taken that exceed anything we see in the broader society. Like, can you tell me, is there another portion of our, our social experience right now that doesn't allow for some contact between patrons i guess you'd call it that and and service providers
1: can't think of any no now here's the thing right there are now uh, electronic courtrooms yeah. and that's works fine for the most part it works uh, not bad me.
0: i'll give it to you it works not
1: too bad in lethbridge but the feedback yeah. we're getting from calgary and edmonton is it's hideously well and we did an episode on this and i actually got kicked out of a electronic yeah. courtroom in calgary yeah. which was absolute bullshit yeah. i mean absolutely an affront to justice horrible yeah. horrible thing that happened and I, I could you imagine if you don't have a law degree you don't have those initials at the back of your name you can't tell the clerks your lawyer or tell the i mean just imagine what it would be like to be a soft rep. and that's sort of a different subject but you know i mean We also know this, Rob, and and I'm not allowed to, well, I I can say this, that, uh, you know, we received the electronic location of courtrooms uh, that we aren't allowed to provide to the public, uh, like a self-represented litigant. And that to me is horrendous. Yeah. Explain that. No, it can not be explained. That is horrible. How, Um, you know.
0: Now, provincial court, not court of Queen's bench, Right. Yeah. Uh, I see all sorts of self-represented litigants in the Court of Queen's Bench on.
1: Oh yeah, by or by phone. Yeah.
0: yeah, Um But for some reason, apparently that's doesn't work so well in provincial court. I'm not sure why, but.
1: And but whether the, they're there or not, I'm not exactly yeah. sure. How they access it, I'm not really sure. But and I do know I, yeah.
0: And the bigger question, though, is that I think it, it gets back to um, taking a, a a measured approach to. a significant issue. Right. And, it, and not ignoring the significant reality of, of people not being able to make a livelihood. I mean, is there, is there a fundamental freedom that goes more to the core of our humanity than being able to be employed and earn a living for myself or my family? Like, I, I don't think there is, right? I mean, short of actually putting people in jail... And taking their liberty away completely telling someone you can't work now even if they're giving you money for serve which not everyone can get and from the people i've talked to it's hit and miss and now it's sort of connected to employment insurance and other issues but even if um you get that you're sitting at home when you could be uh improving your business. Advancing
1: your career. Yeah.
0: And uh, having pride of of what you've done to support your children. And now they're gonna stare at you and go, how come you're not going to work today, Daddy? Well, because the government tells me I can't. And and to okay, downplay
1: now, to downplay that is just horseshit in my opinion. Some people are gonna say to you though, Rob, how many people could that be? The unemployment rate is worse during COVID's been what, fifteen percent or something. Uh, And a portion of those weren't going to work anyway. Uh, And especially in Alberta, how much restrictions have we had? Well, we've been.
0: Yeah, but this is the sauce for the gander, right? How many people are dying, Tyler? How many were going to die anyway? And same people that go, well, two or three deaths is too many. Telling two or three people they're going to lose their restaurant or their fitness center um, so they can make a gesture, which is what it is uh in the public good uh that's problematic too so you know and 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 again i'm not telling people to march without masks and and that kind of bullshit those people irritate me as much as the people on the other extreme but i'm saying um if your mla uh is taking a relatively hands-off approach to lockdowns uh send them a note saying you know what Uh, i appreciate your, your balancing of these nuanced issues, right? And I'm gonna throw this out there. If your MLA is saying, shut it down, well, maybe you should fight fire him or her a letter or email saying, uh, why don't you just shut up,
1: maybe, right? Um, Wait, I have two not- things in response. First off, I think that a single death that could have been prevented by taking even the most reasonable prudent measures is inexcusable. If people are having big parties and that leads to someone's grandma dying, man, that just kills me. That is horrible, not excusable. But on the other side, there are other measures that we could be taking that are gonna be more effective that would be less intrusive and intrusion from the government, like I, I think we agree, not really acceptable. Uh, but there's, there's other measures we could be taking. And I think you and I talked about this in the last couple of days, right? Uh, look at mothers against drunk driving. Uh, look at, uh, you know, you wouldn't see a, a super pregnant lady in a bar with a big tall glass of beer uh, without her being criticized by a whole bunch of people. There's a lot of uh, perception that gets changed through either public education or public influence that I think is a far more measured approach and, uh, you know, look at smoking, right? And and some of that's legislated. And I don't know if I love that, the fact that, you know, a certain percentage of every cigarette pack has to include a, you know, uh, you know, a gross picture of someone who's been smoking. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of things where public perception has changed because of influence that's been asserted on them. And some of that's been government funded or government driven. And I, I think that's a more appropriate measure to take Let's try and influence people to make a good decision. Let's try and educate people to make a good decision. But understanding
0: I- that that is, and, and this is was my comment when you said one death, um, the reality is you can educate people to the cows come home and people are gonna be stupid, right? There are still people dying from impaired drivers and there always will be.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, let's not be naive, right? Yeah. Um, 7,500 people a year are seriously injured or killed on bicycles in Canada just look this up now we can educate those people all day long and educate drivers of motor vehicles and you're still going to have people dying every year because they're riding <clears throat> bikes on the roads
1: right yep
0: is one death too many should we should we outlaw bicycles on our roads no yep. right i mean th- that's no. the reality is is the freedom to do things including things that have risk, skydiving, people die every year, mountain climbing, backcountry hiking, people die every year, skiing, people die every year, bicycling, people die every year, swimming pools, right? one of the largest accidental deaths, drowning. Yeah, Let's outlaw bicycles, let's outlaw swimming <clears throat> pools, let's outlaw
1: boats. We're going to save mean, a shitload of lives. Okay, we do it all the time. My my comment, though, is, okay, if you leave your infant child alone, beside the swimming pool, that's inexcusable. That death should not occur. Yep. There are certain deaths that are inexcusable. It shouldn't occur. If during a COVID you think let's all go to the bar and dance and whatever, close to each other, that's a problem. You shouldn't be doing that. Uh, now should the government be telling you, you can't do that, or that that business owner can't be open? No. Should people be taking some personal responsibility and not doing those things? Hell yeah. But there are those but there's going to be people who won't right
0: yeah but there are those that will say our office shouldn't be open we should have to close down
1: right And, and so when you say that do you mean we shouldn't lawyers shouldn't operate uh yeah well we shouldn't be able to meet anyone face to face we shouldn't be able to have staff in our office
0: I would suggest
1: it should be a pretty rare occasion that you find necessity to meet somebody face-to-face in our office. But should you prevent them from doing that? Oh, no. You can't. Yeah. Um, Should we prevent,
0: uh, should we outlaw weddings? Period.
1: No, of course not. Right? Um, Now, should you, but should you have a wedding and think you're going to invite all of your family on both sides and all get together and have a dance party at the end of the night. Yeah. But there is a point, Tyler, where there, the difference
0: between 10 people and 30 people is of marginal relevance.
1: Right. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. So it, 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 and,
0: and so again, I'm not asking, suggesting that we should be irresponsible or that we should ignore the risks or that we shouldn't be diligent, particularly, you know, I've got parents in my eighties in their eighties um, and I worry for them. Um, uh, I'm, Mostly concerned, though, that, the, that there is this push from um, people that just love the idea of imposing their will on others um, to tell people they can't go to work, that they can't right. socialize, like you say. Uh, that if they live alone, they can have one other person in their home and that's it.
1: Manitoba, yeah.
0: Right? like. Uh... And so, and, and I always, you know, and I'm the libertarian kind of guy, and I push back on this stuff, but I see what it's like, right? I've been a venture at the Law Society of Alberta. I've been involved with government, and I see how things work. And part of the problem is we've got a broad society that uh, sometimes is, is afraid to take a nuanced approach to serious problems. And that's all I think we're talking about is... Um, don't be too quick to tell people to shut down when it might cost lives as well True. and when it may not do any good
1: yeah um, i i do agree i think the enforcement or the the lockdown measures the impositions made by government don't seem to be very effective yeah i mean
0: there's something odd right when in alberta i mean you know we're a bunch of crazy rednecks stereotypically um our rates are stunningly lower than california yeah and Washington state. And, you know, I asked Marcy and she goes, yeah, well, they got a higher property density. Okay. Uh, yeah,
1: there's, those are factors for sure. I
0: looked at Fresno, 500,000 odd people, right? Smaller than Calgary, higher rates of infection.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I don't think that the imposition works. I don't, it doesn't no. seem effective. Uh, but as much as I want to advocate for people's freedoms and liberties, I would want to advocate for social responsibility at yeah. the same time, and that's yeah. my point
0: too. Uh, on my post on Facebook, you know, I, I said, "Put a mask on when you're out in public. Avoid, uh, you know, uh, socializing in larger groups. Um, distance, right? These common sense kind of approaches." Uh, I'm 58 years old. Um, I don't need to catch COVID right? There's there's no benefit to that. And even if that risk is 0.0089%, my luck hasn't always been great in life. And I don't need to be the one in, you know, 300,000 that dies because, you know, I had to go to a bar and uh, sit at a table of 15 people.
1: I think that's, you know what, you're hitting the nail on the head here. There's a, there's some empowering, there's something empowering about what you just said. We do have choice. So on mass, if we can choose to be responsible, we can control this better. But even individually, if we choose to be responsible, we can control it better. And that doesn't mean you can decide whether you're going to get it or not, or it's your fault if you do get it. That's not at all what I'm saying, but you can certainly take steps yeah. not you know, to be, to be cautious. Yeah. Yeah. And and to protect the people around you.
0: Yeah. And, 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 and so, you know, where I'm at is it's like, I, uh, when I was 19, my best friend got killed by an impaired driver. Um, and it was traumatic. Uh, but uh, I'm not a big fan of mothers against truck drivers. Um, I'm not a big fan of what I've seen as a significant curtailment of charter rights in response to uh, impaired driving, even though it has uh, impacted
1: me in a very personal way. Um, And we should be specific about that a little bit. Like there's a, there's really harsh penalties for suspicion that maybe you were intoxicated while driving, even without any, consequences right I mean they're taking people's licenses away taking people's cars away taking away their ability to earn a livelihood without proof that they committed a crime right so there is that's what you're getting at and I appreciate that yeah
0: and it's it's you know the thing that struck me I was an English major and and there were two books that people talk about all the time when when they're when they're ranting about government excess and the one obviously is 1984 by by Orwell um, you know, where Big Brother sees all and is imposing its will upon uh, a beaten down populace. But the other is Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, which is not nearly as well known, and it's diff- it's a more difficult read. But, but Brave New World, it, it, it is based on a government taking away your freedoms because you gave them to the government. Because you are feeling happy and safe and content, and you give up your freedoms willingly. And to me, that's the bigger risk. And that's when we're talking about uh, impaired driving laws, we're talking about some of this COVID stuff. Um, We get people afraid, you know, and and that sells newspapers and clicks, and uh, gets people elected. And then people go, I just want to be safe. And the reality is, there's no such thing. The reality is, we're all dying. Right? And so, am I going to give up my freedom uh, based on the illusion of safety? No. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't have speed limits. It doesn't mean uh, people should be able to walk around, you know, beating each other with bats and shooting each other with guns. I mean, but uh i think where this covid thing is something we should really watch and we should really watch as the covid uh you know uh diminishes which it will
1: yes. both
0: if the quarantine comes through but even with without that you're going to see it diminishing and what is government going to do right it's like homeland security in the united states after the towers everybody was gung-ho yes terrorists and next thing you know um we've got wiretaps and edward snowden and obama reading your emails and right and it's still happening yeah but people gave it up because once the government
1: weasels their way into power they don't let it go they don't give it up too easy yeah and no. you're right, we need to we need to keep our eye on the pulse of this thing you're right and 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 I mean, the, the examples you gave about speed limits and whatever, we do give up freedoms mm-hmm. in exchange for safety yep. or even perceived safety, right? Like maybe yep. the between 40 kilometers an hour and a 50 kilometer hour speed limit, maybe it doesn't actually make a difference and maybe it's just a perception of safety. And we give up freedoms for that all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when we start to see that moving or shifting more towards government power, we gotta keep our eye on the pulse of that thing yeah. And you're right, as COVID resolves, we got to watch what happens with that government power yeah, that we've yeah. been giving. So that's the point.
0: Be responsible, point. be Please. prudent, um, but be diligent that your liberties aren't taken mm-hmm. away or worse, that you haven't handed them over uh, to some sideshow carny in the guise of your government, uh, believing that you're going to be safe because you won't. I guess Bear that's bikes? our point. So
1: I think we agree on a lot. Maybe disagree on a little bit. Yeah, I I,
0: you know, I, it, and this is kind of my thing is I've had conversations with hardcore uh, government imposition of controls. And generally I can get them to at least acknowledge that it's a difficult and a nuanced discussion after you think about it for a while you know, the, and that's all we want, I think, for everything, right? That's that's the thing I find so irritating, whether we're gonna talk about uh, COVID or gun control or climate change or all these hot button issues. Um, Nobody wants to have a nuanced discussion. Nobody wants to acknowledge that the reason that they're difficult is not because one side of the political spectrum are retarded, it's because it's a difficult issue, right? Um, keep things open or shut them down. It's not simple. If no. you think it is, you're the simple one. That's my closing remark. That's good. I won't top it. There. So, um, we, what is it? It's Thursday today. Tomorrow's Friday. Tomorrow's think, Friday. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm working tomorrow or not. I think I am. I was you just and I have a little project
1: life. to work on tomorrow. Oh, right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For uh, Divorce Mate, Tyler and I are involved in helping Divorce Mate uh, create documents, um, which is kind of interesting and uh, helpful at the same time. Their documents work really well. Little plug for Divorce Mate, uh, child support guideline calculators and family law document preparation. No, we're not getting paid anything, although we might get some discount on our software if we help. Them out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, they they actually are good, and I really like their uh, their online software. Like their cloud software is fantastic. So, check it well,
0: out. the cool thing I like is you're preparing documents, and if you need to have the other lawyer's name in there somewhere, even if you haven't entered it, you start typing in, Asif Muhammad. You know, the lawyer in Lethbridge does family, and it knows him because he uses the That's software, right.
1: or someone else has added it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah that's cool. That's really and good, so yeah.
0: that's kind of cool and uh and yeah, I was a little skeptical, but I've been using it and uh it's getting better and I'm getting better at using it. And I was just doing an affidavit actually on uh Divorce Mate when Yeah, I love it. We connected. So uh Yeah, I love it. So yeah, cool.
1: Mate, go get it. Divorce mate.
0: All right, well uh we'll call it a day and I think we've ranted enough and uh we'll see if again, as always. If you think we're full of shit, uh, send us a comment, send us an email. Uh, We're big boys. We take criticism.
1: That's right. All right. Cheers, everybody.